Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. I, uh, I don't think I've seen a more humorous way of looking at small groups. But if you're from my generation, it's really very melancholy to watch that because those are the guys that I watched beat up all the bad guys growing up. And I always wondered what happened to them when they got cut in ratings, but now I know. Um, I can actually tell you that in this church I have not run across Batman. I've run across a lot of people that like to do the voice of Batman and different things, but uh, I haven't come across Batman. But I have come across a lot of superheroes. And when I think about groups and how they affect the church, it's not just the people that are leading the groups. It's not just the teachers in the classroom. It's not just the people that put in the DVD and turn on the television and read the questions out of the book. Matter of fact, it's everybody that's in a group that's a hero. And today, I just chose a couple of verses of Scripture because I wanted to emphasize the fact that we all have a role to play as Christians. And we forget that we're part of a body, and it's like anything that we know about our own body. If you wake up in the morning and something doesn't feel right, hopefully, hopefully you investigate what that problem is. If I was to wake up one morning and know that my right hand was numb, I would try to figure out whether I slept on it or whether it was because Kendra had crushed it in the door the night before. She's done that before. I would try to figure out if I have an ailment that is going to keep me out of the hospital or if it's something that um, I need to go to the doctor and actually look at. About two years ago, coming up on this time, some of you know that this happened in my life, that I reached a point in my life when my blood pressure was shooting out the roof. And I put it off, and I put it off, and I put it off, and on Thanksgiving Day when I was over at the park and we were doing our 5K run, turkey, run, I could barely move around. And that afternoon, being Thanksgiving Day, went home and had lunch, didn't feel great. And I finally looked at Kendra in the afternoon and I said, Kendra, something's not right. Now, I am one of those that hates to go to the doctors. A lot of different reasons go behind that. A lot of times, I can't convince myself that there is something wrong with me. But on that day, I finally looked at her, I said, I got to go to the hospital. So she took me over. Thanksgiving Day is a very good time to go to the emergency room. Everybody else is still at home with their belly aches and stuff, and they're not in the emergency room. They took me right back. And the first thing she told me is, she said, your blood pressure is 115 over 210. And she'd ask me, she'd go, you know, the standard questions, what have you done? Are you on blood pressure medicine? No, I'm not. And they did a whole case history. And I knew at that point in time that my body didn't feel right. And I went to see my doctor after <clears throat> being prescribed blood pressure medicine. And I asked him, I said, what is some of the things I can do? And he said, one of the things that you can do is, he says, he says it's your diet. He says, what you take in. He says, because whatever you take in, affects your body. And then he said something that was very, 
very interesting to me. He said, you know, he said, you probably have had people telling you for the last six months that you don't look right or you don't seem right. And he says, and you just kind of blow it off. And I started go. I went back home that day and I started thinking and I started remembering occurrences where people said things weren't right. I equate that to where I am in this church because there are people that always watch over me. And they can see when I'm not healthy. And they can see when I'm struggling. And I call those people my group members. Now, just because I'm a pastor usually means that I'm involved in like 15 or 20 groups. doesn't mean I'm going to all these small group meetings, but I'm I'm always involved in one way or another. But I have people that are watching me at times, and they're saying that this isn't right, and this isn't you, and they're calling me on it. And I really, really am blessed to have people that speak into my life. And a lot of times we forget that as Christians. Today I titled this sermon, Part of the Body. If we are the body. And everybody knows there's a great song a couple of years ago that came out and said, if we are the body, then why aren't his arms reaching? It's a great song. But I'm really looking at if we are the body, then why don't we act like it? Why don't we cherish it? Why do we continue to go on through struggles in our lives and we never get to the point where we're over them? So these verses that I've chosen, the first one found in the book of Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, turn to it. Verses 12 and 13, I'm going to ask you to stand as I read this. And I'm sure that over your church life, you've probably heard this verse read, these verses read before. But today in our light, we're going to try to take them and make them personal to you. So you can see the importance of what you are to the body. It says, the body is a unit that is made up of many parts, and though all the parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this moment. And in these few seconds that we have together, I just pray that we can look and see how much you cherish us. That we understand the gifts that you've given each one of us. And the jobs that we have to do for those people that don't know Jesus Christ. Father, we might take for granted each day the things that you've blessed us with. But as we sit in here this morning, we know that all gifts and all good things come from you. And in my life, I thank you for always having people that speak into my life and watch me and look for my, my well-being. Father, just be with us in this time. Allow your spirit to move among us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And be seated. <clears throat> so if we are the body... One thing that I think that we have to make sure that we understand is who we are supposed to model. We get into our Christian culture, and a lot of times we pick out somebody that might be a great speaker, somebody that might be a television evangelist, some person, and we begin 
to emulate those things. And we actually interject their feelings and their thoughts, and that becomes our thoughts. And we have to be very careful with that. Because not all things in a group are healthy. Several years ago, when I started doing small groups ministry, I would go to the West Coast to Saddleback Church. And a young man who was doing small groups, and it was really unheard of at that point in time, he says, he says, you know, in every small group setting, he said, everybody should have a right to share how they feel. And he said, but here's what you're going to come across. You're going to come across people that when they are sharing how they feel and where they are in their life, that will interrupt them. Oh, I know exactly where you are. I've been there. I know the struggle that you're dealing with. And he said, and when you come across those people, it's not that they're being evil. It's not that they're being negative. He says a lot of times it's because they're trying to take the focus off their own life. And to feel better about themselves, they involve themselves in other people's lives. As a small group, I can tell you that one of the things that I try to make sure that we do is that, you know, everybody has the same amount of time to speak. And instead of offering up some half-hearted advice or some uh, thoughts that might just be passing at the time, one of those things that we try to encounter with is prayer. Because I really want to interject into any group setting, whether it's the entire church body, as we said here today, whether it's a Sunday school room, whether it's a small group, whether it's a men's Bible set, I don't care where it is. I want to make sure that we interject enough of the right stuff that we start emulating that. And the right stuff is Jesus Christ. When we look through Scripture, we can start to think about, hey, what what is it about small groups that is so enticing to people? And I think it's because people can come and be genuine. And that is directly found in Scripture. In Matthew 5.13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We as Christians are created with a spice in our life. There are people that watch us and they gain their knowledge. It's just like being a dad. I can remember being out in the backyard throwing baseball with Brett from a very young age. And every person that throws a baseball throws it a little bit differently. But I went out one day, and Brett is out in the backyard, and he's throwing a tennis ball up against the wall. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, I am trying to throw it like you do. And I said, well, son, I said, you know, in baseball, I said, one of the greatest things is you don't necessarily copy everybody. You know, I mean, you're gifted in your own way. And he says, no, he says, there's safety if I do it just like you do it. And guess what? It's that way in our everyday lives. There's safety. There's safety if we let somebody else stand in front of us and tell us exactly how we're supposed to live and not put Jesus Christ at the center of it. Because if we don't, we're going to lose our saltiness. 
as Christians, we're going to be ineffective with the people that are around us. And pretty soon, they're looking at us, and they're not seeing through us and seeing Jesus Christ. They're looking at what we are doing, and pretty soon, I'll be very honest about myself, if people do that with me, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to break your heart. I'm not going to fulfill that thought you thought I was going to do. And that's not to say, oh, poor Jeff, that is just to be honest with you. That I don't want any person to look at any man that walks the face of the earth. I want people to look at the person that walked the face of the earth that was sinless. And that's Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ, when you start thinking about it, there was a reason why people were drawn to him. He spoke the truth. And a lot of times in our lives, we don't want to know the truth because we just want to feel better. But when Christ would look at somebody with the eyes of compassion and love and speak truth, and they're sitting there going, you know what? I do have this in my life. I have been letting this take over my life. And not for a good reason. I I don't want people to look at me. I want people to look at me and see Jesus. This week, Kent and I were making a visit down to an ICU unit on Monday. And when we were leaving the ICU unit, we were turning the corner. And a nurse sitting at the desk goes, excuse me. She goes, who are you two? (laughs) Usually it's a police officer that asks us that. Uh, No, no, it's not that bad. But as Ken and I turned a corner, we just said, you know, we're ministers at Burlington Baptist Church. And she goes, that's where I've seen you. She goes, you know, she goes, I live right down the street from you. And she goes, and when I go to my church every Sunday, she goes, I've got a complaint. I said, what's that? And she goes, well, she goes, it takes me forever to get through the four-way stop. Amen. And I'm sitting there going, I wasn't here when they put it in. And I'm not probably going to be around when they finally change to a real stoplight. I don't think they ever will. But she says, I just want to tell you this. She goes, you know, she goes, in, in my little church, she goes, there's been a lot of people that have reached out to everybody around us, and they seem to always be from Burlington Baptist Church. And at that moment, I turned my head and I looked at Kent. I'm going, you know what, it kind of makes me feel good. Makes me feel good to know that people know that Jesus Christ is the thing that they see. And she goes, you know, she goes, I've seen you guys come in here at all hours of the night. And I've seen you guys stand out here with people when uh, there's very little hope and you've prayed with them. And she goes, I just want to say thank you for doing that and you're not even my pastor. And I stopped for a moment. I started to think, I said, what was so important in my life yesterday or the day before? What if you knew that I'm not like that all the time? That there are times when I get up out of bed and I just wish I didn't have any place to go. Then I realized that that was Satan talking because he wanted to take away that moment when God is speaking so good about what is going on at Burlington Baptist Church. At that moment, I just stopped and I said, can't have that one, Satan. 
I I said a short prayer, and I claimed it, and I took it back. You see, when it comes to this group thing, when it comes to being part of the body, I want everybody to know that as the body, we are called to give life flavor. And we're supposed to give it to everybody that we encounter. I have this statement that was given to me one time. It says, whenever we as Christians are introduced into a setting, whether it is social or work-related, the unbelievers should see evidence of the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our lives. They should be able to look at us and say, I don't know what they have, but I want it. Got a text this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning from Kent. And Kent just made one statement to me. He says, he says you got God's word today. He says, and I know that you feel that way. He says, I'm just praying for you. And I'm going to make this statement today. <clears throat> when we sit around, when we stand around, when we go into groups, when we're out on the street in Kroger, we need to be emulating Jesus Christ. We need to let them see Jesus Christ. And I think it's very hard for them if we're not letting go of our past. If we keep drudging it up. If we keep worrying. If you pick up the bulletin and you look at it and you see something there and you got a question of it, you know what? I don't think in God's kingdom in heaven there's enough time for all the stuff that Satan wants to throw at. God doesn't allow it there. And if God doesn't allow that stuff to come into a holy place like heaven, why in the world are we letting it into our own ranks? So as a group, we have to make a decision. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That's three. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you believe that you were saved for a purpose? Yes. Get about it. Find the people in this church that can wrap their arms around you and make a wall. But not a wall that's not ever going to be penetrated. A wall that makes you stronger so you can go out and reach and see people that don't know Christ and they're going to know that there's a difference in you. And it's going to allow you to have opportunities to reach those people for Jesus Christ. And quit listening to Satan when he continues to give you excuses in your life of why I can't do it. I don't have the time. I'm invested in too many things. You know what? If I'm invested in too many things, it's probably because I'm invested in too many things that don't honor the kingdom or don't glorify the kingdom, and I need to probably give my time back to the kingdom. So don't sit there and make excuses. Second point is this. We all must tell our story. And this gets tricky. Because a lot of times in our story, we sit around and we sugarcoat it. We glaze over things. 
And I'm not telling you that you have to go out to people and divulge every deep, dark secret. Because it's this, this is the truth. That if you've got sin in your life and you've been forgiven, then the only one that keeps remembering and bringing it up is you. Quit beating yourself up about it. But it does help those people that are on the outside. They might be looking in saying, I want whatever they've got to know that we're not perfect. And we don't have it all figured out. It is alarming to watch students today. Not because they're foolish, not because they're crazy, not because they don't have an idea, but it's alarming to watch students today because what is raising them in this culture is what is on television. And that tells me that a lot of times the truth isn't being spoken to them at home. Guilty. It's easier. It's easier for me to send my two uh, oldest children into high school every day. And I'm going to tell you, Brianna's got a loud voice, and when she starts screaming at me because I am in her business all the time, and she wonders why I keep doing it, because that's music to my ears. Anytime that I can counter the culture, I will. You've got to know your story. What brought you to Christ? It could be the most wonderful story like mine is that I was born into a Christian home. I was raised by Christian parents. They drug me down the aisle. They beat me when I talked in church. I mean, I can tell you all those great stories of why I became a Christian. And you laugh, but guys, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then I've come across so many people in my life that have struggled to get there and are struggling to get there. And I can't help but think it goes back to that first point. They're not seeing Jesus through the church. And the church, I'll say this, we've won, okay? Flip over to Revelation, we've won. But we sit in here every day and we don't act like we have a victory. But God gave us the victory so long ago, thinking about us to where we are now. That's the story that we need to be telling people. We need to tell them that every day that when they walk in, or every time that they walk in here, that they're going to be loved and they're going to be um, cared for. They're going to be deepened, meaning the fact that they're not just coming in here getting a set of praise music and heading back out the door, but they're going to be challenged to change something in their life. Because you know what? It doesn't matter for any of us. We've always got something in our life that's not working right. We're humans. God knows that. That's part of my story. Take time and sit down and remember what brought you to the moment when you finally said, Jesus Christ needs to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I remember when I was 12 years old, 
I thought to myself, I will never forget that day. But there are times in my 50-year-old body and 50-year-old brain that I have uh, you know, a big struggle trying to remember exactly how everything played out. I know the parts, I know the players. I was a lot more handsome, I had a lot more hair. Um, yeah, yeah, huh? Yeah, but I wasn't as smart. You're exactly right. But that story is captivating, if to no one else but me. But I know one other person that thinks that that's the neatest story in the world, and that's God. How many times does he sit up there and pray, or praise our name because of the fact that we overcome the obstacles in our life and we make him important? Probably not as much as it should be, but I know he does. I know he has to give a fist pump. There you go, you're finally past it. Now look at the difference you make. We're past that struggle. Let's push on forward. And to know that my Heavenly Father has that kind of thought about me, that's overwhelming. Don't forget to tell your story. In 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who, are speak, that, who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Good point. As a Christian, if my story and my God are leading the way, that's all I need. I don't need to use my tongue to fight back with somebody. I don't need to debate an issue of goodness and right because God's on my side. And in my story, I want people to know the fact that I'm just going to state what I know, what I believe, and then I'm going to shut up. And at that point in time, if you've got a problem with me, come to me, we'll talk about it, but you're dealing with my God. That's my story. That's my faith. The last point I want to say is that in every group, every time we're together, we must cast a vision for living. And this is hard because there are so many things that we get caught up in life and so many things that we want to do, the fun stuff, that a lot of times that's exactly the vision that we cast. We might minimize the importance of meeting together in church. We might minimize the importance of what we say we believe in the way that we live it because it doesn't work out for our issue. But in Colossians 4, 5, and 6, it says this. It says, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
It goes back to that salt thing. That whenever I'm a part of a group, whenever I'm a part of a group of individuals that I want to surround me in prayer. It's why I ask you guys all the time, keep us in prayer, keep us in prayer. Because I really covet the time that you guys get down on your knees and you pray for us. But you need to pray for yourselves as well. You need to pray that the things that you say are seasoned with salt. Because when you come across those people, you've got to give them a glimpse of what the victory is. You can tell them your story. That doesn't necessarily change them. But usually what happens is they say, if there's hope, if there's a kingdom, if there's a place on the other side, I want that. And when you cast that kind of vision that life isn't always about being beat up, and you know what? Even though you're going to get beat up in life, even when you're a Christian, that there are groups of individuals that will love you and care for you no matter what, when you cast that vision, they will run to us. Because we are in a world right now that is full of no hope. We are in a world right now where they're floundering around trying to pass this law or do this only in the sense of what's going to make us happy. And we as Christians are staying on the sideline. We might be whining. We might be complaining. But we're sure not really casting the right vision. And that vision is the fact that you're only going to find happiness in one place. And that's through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the next time that you feel the urgency to complain about what's going on politically, socially, you stop and ask yourself this question first. What am I doing to make sure that they know there's hope? Guys, we as Christians, we can't throw up our hands. This week, Steve and I were teaching in the high school group. And we were talking about the events of the day. Talking about all the political stuff. And I asked him, I said, you know what? I said, what if it comes down to one day a guy brings a gun and puts it to your head and says, if you say that you denounce Jesus Christ, then I'll spare your life. But if you don't, I'm going to kill you. And just saying those words and having that thought scare me to death. My hope would be that everybody in this room would stand up and they would cheer and say, I'm for Jesus, and make a big line and say, do what you got to do by him. But the room fell silent. One person said, they're going to have to kill me. And another kid said, they're going to have to kill me. And a lot of them were just sitting there in silence, not doing it. And I remind them of this. I said, in the Old Testament, there were three guys. And they were taken into captivity. They fell under a new political law. And it just so happened that the king that took them into captivity liked himself a whole lot and built himself a statue. And he told them all, he says, if you don't bow down to my statue... You're going in the furnace. 
And those three guys said, you know what? Even if my God's not real, I'm not going to bow down to your statue because he is the one and true God. Guys, we got to get out of this mode where we're the victims. We got to get out of this mode where what we've been through is just, it's too, oh, it's just too overwhelming. No, it's not. Nothing that we have faced in the last year is bigger than our God. Nothing that we will face in the future is bigger than our God. And I am 100% in total belief that the best days of this church are ahead of us. And if you don't believe, please, please, please come and talk to us. Let us pray with you. Let us understand why. Because guys, don't throw up your hands. Satan is a lion and he'll devour you. You give up one moment and you start to show a little bit of weakness. You'll be like that little gazelle at the back of the pack. Don't get eaten up by Satan's lies in the struggle. It's a group's message. I have a group's mentality. And I'll stand here and tell you today that I am absolutely and 100% blessed to be a part of your group. I thank God every day that he dropped me in this church. For the points in my life when I've needed you and you've been there, and also for the points in your lives when maybe I've been able to get through some of my stupidness and silliness and speak in your lives the truth, I'll be there. But we're a group. We're God's family. We are the body. In this moment, maybe you haven't felt like part of the body. I'm going to tell you that the altar's open. You want to come up and talk? Come on up. Maybe you walked into this room today and you don't know what in the world is he talking about this thing about Jesus Christ being the direction of my life. Let me talk to you about Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you what grand plan that he has for your life. Know that this is a loving church and you're welcome here. And that's never going to change. So if you just need a place to land, come on up. Maybe you just need a time of reflection in your life to get rid of stuff. That's why we have the Lord's Supper at the tables. Come up and take communion with your family. Give yourself a kickstart and a restart this week. Just like the sign says on the corner, there is no group without you. You're loved.